Welcome to the Painting of the Week podcast, where we look at some of the most significant paintings throughout history. Introducing your hosts, Phil Grabsky and Laura Bentham. This week we're talking about John Constable's The Gleaners, and particular interest to uh, Laura and I because it is set in Brighton, which is where we both live and where we're recording this from. Uh, painted in 1824, so almost exactly, well, anyway, 197 years ago. And we'll talk about its location in a second, but I can see the downs from my window where we're recording this. So this painting is done somewhere relatively local. Yes. In actual fact... I think we should take a walk up there and have a look at this. Mm. Because I can't quite work out exactly where he's done it from. Well. Ah, don't tell me. You've been exact spot. (laughs) No, you see. um, So just north of here, so uh, we have the Jack and Jill Mm. windmills, don't we? Yeah. And you'd think, and in fact, when I saw this and we talked about it the other week, I said, oh, yeah, it looks like the Jack and Jill windmills, which are just very close to where my brother lives, uh, just up past Pycombe on the way to Hassocks. But you've got to be a bit careful, haven't you? Because I started doing a bit of research and there was one windmill there, which predates this painting, but the other one was built afterwards. Oh, how funny. Uh, in fact, the Jill windmill uh, was built, um, was initially on Dyke Road, which is right here. I mean, literally, what, 300 metres from this yeah. from the front door. And apparently there were two or three windmills on this road before it was all developed. And then it was um, moved, I guess, as Brighton expanded. It was that particular windmill was moved up to where it now sits. Uh, and in fact, literally, if that house wasn't there, we would see the Patchen windmill. Yes. And that was the last windmill built in this area in 1850-something, 1851. That's so interesting. So I'm not entirely sure. The other thing about this is that when <laughs> so you... So we're all ready now. So I don't know where it is, <laughs> basically. Okay. That's the end of that, isn't it? We've done really well again. <laughs> but also, if you look on the right-hand side of the painting, there is a house there. Yeah. And... Oh, I couldn't quite work this out at all. So, um, I don't know. But I, also, I thought they were slightly closer together. I mean, I'll tell you where it could be. Mm. I mean, to those of you listening, of course, the first thing <laughs> I have to say is go to the 7th Art Productions website <laughs> to look at the painting. Yes. Otherwise, as ever, this will seem um, a bit confusing. I think it's a it's a wonderful painting, and but it's an interesting painting because in an exhibition in a gallery, you could just oh that's quite nice and walk past it. Actually, yeah. it's one of those paintings which there's so much to it mm. um, that is absolutely fascinating. So we've started talking about its location okay that's only one way of starting the discussion about a painting but let's talk about the location so it you know there's a windmill in hangleton which again is only two miles from here yeah 
it is now completely surrounded by houses. Mm. But back in 1965, when I lived in Hangleton as a one-year-old, Hangleton Windmill and Hangleton Manor, which were very close to it, were actually in fields. I mean, so it's only 40, 50... <laughs> 20, Why do we do this every time? It's only 21 years ago. No, but it's only 50-odd years ago. Yeah. And now the windmill looks very strange because it is completely surrounded by mm. houses. And probably if it wasn't kind of in a roundabout, it probably would have been knocked down. And, of course, bringing things right up to date, if you look off the coast of Brighton now, you've got all those wind turbines. So, yep. you know, there's a, there's a circularity there because back in the, you know, 19th century and earlier, I think windmills... I think they had windmills back in the 1700s. I'm sure they did. Um, but, of course, windmills, or in the Netherlands, water mills, were hugely important for grinding grain. Yeah. The staple diet was bread, and you had to grind grain. And so you had these types of windmills. You had something called a post-windmill, which was basically... Um, for those who used to watch uh, Windy Miller, was that in Trumpton? Oh, I love that. Ah, oh, no, wasn't that brilliant? Yeah. No, I do love that. So he his windmill was probably a post mill <laughs> because and what they had to do there is they had to physically turn the whole windmill around to face the wind. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were always in danger of being toppled over if they get it got it wrong. And then they had bigger windmills where you could move the engineering within it. Um. And what were they called? So you had a post windmill, which was just just on a single <laughs> post, which you turned, and then what were the other ones called? Can't remember now. Um, I don't know. I haven't read. But I, I, I recently, um, in fact, in Spain, not so long ago, was inside a hotel where they used to have this extraordinary amount of engineering to grind the olives to make uh, olive oil. And it was so complicated, and this is just what's left of it. Yeah, and that was from, a, and that was all just inside a hotel. Yeah. Nothing to do with the windmill, though. Well, this is no, well, no, no, it's a hotel now. Oh, okay. But it was it was for production of olives, and, mm. it, and um, yeah. Uh, so, going back to the painting. To go back to the painting, I. I Associated with Jack and Jill, although I'm absolutely not sure it could no. be. It could be what we now think of as Patcham. Mm. It could be Hangleton. It, you know, basically, you know, even in Lewis, they've got a reconstructed windmill. Yes, um, I think he might have made it up a little bit. He could have made it up. Of course, that's always possible. What we do know is that John Constable lived in Brighton, and so. Living in Brighton, he would have walked from where he lived. Mm. Uh, I mean, he, he could have got a horse and car, horse and carriage, but I mean, he probably would have walked with his easel, um, or he certainly would have gone out and sketched and then come back and done it in his studio. And so, somewhere within what a walk, you know, five, six, seven miles walking. This is where he found himself. Up on the downs, he's found this. When he was in Brighton, though, his wife wasn't very well, was she? That's why they came to Brighton. Yeah. So when you look at his other paintings of his, the Suffolk ones, when he was a child, or the ones that sort of, you know, represent his childhood, 
some of the Brighton ones do look slightly less happy. Is that a funny thing to say? No. Because... I mean, right going back now to one of our original podcasts, I couldn't even remember the name, Hayway. Mm. And when you look at that painting, it's so detailed and stuff. This one doesn't look quite so detailed. Maybe he just wasn't in a, a great place. Did we do the Hayway? No, but oh. we, were, we, were, <laughs> we had one of our moments where <laughs> we couldn't remember the name of things. Oh, yes. And I think we were, <laughs> which happens a fair bit. But now, of course, I've looked at it. And then I look at this one, I think, oh, I don't know. Would you? Isn't it funny that he's painted those windmills from that angle? There's no there's no real detail? Mm. Well, I mean, taking what you've just said and bearing in mind there's rarely accidents in paintings, I, I'd have thought rather than the way he's depicted the windmills, it would be the clouds. Yes. I mean, like today, it could, you know, he could yeah. easily have painted that as a beautiful blue sky, mm. but he hasn't. No. You know, he's painted... I mean, obviously, he liked to paint clouds, and we'll talk about that. Mm. Um, yeah, he's got another one, I think, which was the storm in Brighton. And he does that kind of... It's and those kind of paintings... All clouds. Those kind of paintings turn up, actually, more and more. And I think they do reflect his mood. Mm. Um, so you get... You get some um, storm... I mean, you know... We've got to be careful, haven't we? That it might, He might have come out, and that was the weather, and he chose to paint it. Yes, on the other hand, it might have been reflecting his mood. Yes. I mean, he's, he doesn't seem to... Well, the artists that we've done, when you look at John Constable, he's, he's, he did have, he said himself, a really lovely childhood, mm. idyllic. He seemed to have quite a nice mm. sort of pleasant life. And the main thing that was really upsetting for him was when his wife was ill. Yeah. And then they came to Brighton and then... I'm not sure if she died in Brighton, but then she died. And that was when, so he was sort of, that was the thing that really affected him. I think she dies back in um, Charlotte Street in London. Okay. Four, but, four years after this. Okay. But when you think of some of the other artists that we do, and they have such turbulent lives and this mm. has happened and that's happened. I mean, we should say that he's moved from Suffolk to London. mm uh, after a little bit of opposition, fam familial opposition, he does marry um, Maria. Is that mm, her name? Yeah, but she becomes ill with tuberculosis, so they f- decide that the best thing for her is sea air. Yes, hence they come to Brighton, and Constable's a little bit um, dismissive. Is that the right word? A little bit rude, critical of Brighton. <laughs> he says that um, you know on the seafront when you know it's like Piccadilly by the sea. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, he said it's just it's just London. Everyone comes down in their carriages and they <laughs> scoff muscles by the sea. And you know, I don't think he found it as. Bear in mind that he lived in London, but I think he found it a little bit, <laughs> a bit like it is now at weekends. I was going to say, the, the Hen- <laughs> I'm not sure it's changed. The Hen and Stag do. No, well. <laughs> London by the sea is the typical way of, it's a Certainly typical the, phrase, isn't it? The weekends. Yeah. So I mean, he, we go for a nice walk down there just because it's just mayhem some yeah. days, we, 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 which is great. <laughs> good fun. Good to watch. <laughs> but he, 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 he does what I do, which is he goes north. He goes to, into the countryside for peace <laughs> and quiet. So that part, part of the appeal of this picture is that this is, 
again, I don't know if it is the Jack and Jill windmills, but that no. is a place I I like yeah. to walk, I like to run. And given well, the choice lovely. between busy Brighton and slightly quieter South Downs, <laughs> I'll go to the South Downs. And I'll go to Brighton. And you'll go to Brighton. <laughs> Although I do really love a Downs walk in Venice. We should explain that behind Brighton, so from the sea going backwards about five kilometres, three miles, there is a range of hills which goes from Eastbourne all the way to Winchester, so east to west, about 97 miles, I think it is. Uh, and they're called the South Downs, or the South, yeah, basically. And um, so if if this is the Jack and Jill pub, then actually the South Downs Way, which is the which is the path you can take for that entire route, literally goes right well, is within a few hundred meters of these windmills. Yeah, then they're lovely. One is actually a house, isn't it? Someone's home. Yeah. And one they and do open from time yes. to time. So you can mm-hmm. and you can actually buy, I think you can actually buy flour from there. Ah. So the gleaners. <laughs> Interesting. Um because if you again, let's let's have a look at the picture. So We've talked about the clouds. So the majority of the, this analyzes painting. So the majority of the painting is clouds. Mm. And you can see that in some, in some ways it's kind of sketchy and you have a sense of a painter just exploring the craft of painting. Mm. Um, if you look carefully, you know, I think he, he has started with a, a perhaps a blue sky and gradually covered it with, white and grey and black. Now, frankly, if you were out and you saw clouds like that, you would make a beeline to go home because mm-hmm. that's quite a storm coming. Yeah. And um, that's... that's. Uh, but I think for him, he's just, you know, he loved to paint clouds. And Was that what he's actually known for, painting clouds and skies? I think, I think more broadly he's known for painting landscapes. Uh-huh. Okay. But, um, and the countryside. But, you know, the skies are part of that. Mm. But the bottom, what, quarter or fifth is the, is the, are the fields. So these fields, we can tell from the title, the gleaners, have recently been harvested. So, uh, so this is an autumn view. Now, the gleaners... Gleaners were people who were allowed by the landowners to go into a field after it had been harvested and pick up the grain mm. that was lying around. Um, these gleaners are referred to in the Bible. They are given kind of biblical justification for, for you know, mopping up the grain that's lying on the on the soil. And they, t- they take that home, do they? And, and take it home. Grind that with themselves, I imagine. Then, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, or they would pay the miller to do it. Uh-huh. I mean, I remember in Afghanistan, um, this amazing water mill that I filmed in, and basically this thing hadn't changed for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And it was just the people would bring the grain from their own little field, their own little allotment. Right. He would grind it for them. So they'd, they'd give them all the grain and then they'd get back a bag of beautiful white flour. Right. It's a few bits and pieces in it. But he would he would keep 10% of the flour. Okay. That was oh, his payment. Yeah, yeah. Now, I love things like that. I love stories like that. Now, I can't tell whether that's two women or two young girls. Or, no. Um, one is clearly bent over picking up some bits and pieces. The other one would appear to be holding a bag. 
or something or a basket into which yeah. they're putting the grain. I mean, a hell of a job. Mm. I mean, even harvesting was a, you know, harvesting by hand was a yeah. rough old job. I mean, fa- we've talked about this before, you know, so much effort went into the food and, uh, you know, harvesting was just hard, slog. Slightly romanticised now when you think, you know, with the paintings where at the end of the day they're all having a glass of cider or dancing yeah. around. But it's funny that it's funny this painting. I don't, I don't know. It intrigues me because you still there's it, just not. It's quite empty, isn't it? Even the gleaners part. Would you not think there was be more more yeah. gleaners? So uh, now I'm starting to really look at it. I'm thinking. It's an amazing painting. There's not a lot to it, really, but it is really lovely. I guess if you were to... It's one of those things, isn't it? We've talked about this in The Monk. Imagine it without them. Yes. So if you put your thumb over it, mm. it's a completely... That really does... If you don't have the two gleaners, it really just feels like a sketch. Yeah. Almost like a you know an art project. Okay, the two gleaners obviously gives you a real focus... But imagine that little scene repeated over here. Yeah. Then it becomes really, it kind of falls apart, doesn't it? If, if you've got more people, it becomes very bitty. Whereas this, you've just got that line, the, the two. And I'm sure it's intentional that it's a little bit of a pyramid there. I mean, there's a kind of a line. Right. She's bending over, so Up you go from her to her mm-hmm. to there, and you yeah, go along the crest mm-hmm. to the other one. Yeah. Down the down the black and back along. I don't know, there's a bit of a circle there, elongated circle going round. I think these paintings, whether deliberately or not, whether they're just part of their genius, they're always just making your eye go round and round and round. Is it the National Gallery where there's a a constable room? Uh, The Tate. Oh, is it the Tate? Okay. I don't know, actually. I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, so I thought it was a National Gallery. And then I thought that nearby was obviously Turner because they were quite often compared. They were the same time, weren't they? They are often compared. And I suppose everybody's million-dollar question is, who do you prefer? (laughs) Because Constable's very cosy, isn't he? You sort of put your slippers on, think, oh, it's nice, and you know you can sort of sit back and relax. And Constables maybe, but they are very sim. They are similar. But it's funny how with the gleaners, there's just seemed to me there's just seemed such a lot, sort of lack of detail. I just wonder if it was where he was in his life, maybe. But that's me now trying to get all. I'm getting ahead of myself, Phil. <laughs> Well, there's a couple I of things here. <laughs> I mean, no, I've gone. I've gone. I'm just looked at the national, a different level now. <laughs> I just looked at the National Gallery. So there's a Constable and Turner and Stubbs room. Okay. Room thirty-four. Right. Um, that must be. Uh, I mean, in some, I mean, there's certainly obviously Constables and Turners at the uh, at the Tate as well. Have you seen the Gleaners in in real life? Because the Haywain is. Quite big, isn't it? Well, the six footers. Mm. Well, tell us about the six footers. Well, just I saw it was really, really big, and that I didn't know expect it to be that big. I think like, I need to go once again. Every time we get there, so we're either going to eat food or go and visit an exhibition afterwards. 
So I did. I just know that it, I didn't expect it to be that big when I when I started looking at the the hay wain. But yeah, so I just wondered if if you were given, could you answer the question of which one you liked more, Turner or Constable? Um, I wonder if most people have an opinion. Well, there is a late Constable exhibition on now, as it happens, at the Royal Academy, which thoroughly recommend. I haven't been. I'm going to go on the 2nd of December. Oh, brilliant. Uh, and there, has, <laughs> there was recently a Tate Turner exhibition. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who do, who, well, who do I like? I always find it tri- quite tricky when you ask to make a comparison. I mean, it yeah. kind of depends. I think that... I mean, both these artists are really important in the history of art for one for a number of reasons, but one reason which is very interesting is that in 1870, when the Franco-Prussian War was at its height... Mm. A lot of artists or some significant French artists came to London ah, to yes. escape the war. Mm-hmm. Among them, Monet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe Pissarro. Yes, I have, um, yes. And the, the dealer came to Paul de Rondruel. Mm-hmm. And they were staggered by the works of Constable and Turner. And very influenced by it. So when we think about, when we talk about the Impressionists and the revolutionary nature of their artwork and how they're trying to capture light and it's not, you know, it's sketchy and it's, you know, Impressionistic. Well, you know, if we look at the Gleaners. Yeah. That's not, in a sense, that's not realistic. No. Um, And I think there's something slightly... Turner has, I don't know, maybe it's a bit more emotion in in Turner. Yeah. Constable is, and maybe it's to do with their personalities and their lives, Constable, you can feel, is really thinking about what he's doing. And I'm sure Turner was too, but there's more, I don't know, perhaps it's just a bit more fire to Turner. Yeah. Um, So I guess if I had to choose, I guess I would come down on the side of Turner. Um, Oh. But, but I mean, we could in our ever-expanding living room, I'd have this on my wall. Yeah, I was going to say, everyone's <laughs> going to go crazy. Um, it's funny, though, because he hasn't got a lot of detail. Well, I would think doesn't look like it's really detailed. It is just the sky is just made up of so many sort of like crazy brushstrokes. It's lovely. I, I mean, it. you know, it's a major painting and it's at the mm. Tate, but it's probably mm. not. I mean, it's not the Haywain or... No. Flatford Mill or Leaping Horse or... I mean, those six-footers are really interesting because he basically got these canvases, which were big. Yeah. Six foot. <laughs> and he would do really impressive sketch paintings and sketches, and then he'd do the actual painting. And yeah. actually, the sketches are really impressive in themselves. Um, and, you know, part of it probably was... When there was the summer show at the Royal Academy, you know, a big painting gets noticed. Yeah. Because it's big. Yeah. You know, it takes up a lot of the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, Did Turner do big ones? 
Not stunning, not, not six so footers. No, okay. But there's definitely rival between the mm. two, and um, there's there's lots of famous stories and and how they influenced each other, and even Turner even changing a painting at the last minute in the Royal Academy because he'd seen what Constable had done, and he. I mean, there's, there's, there's all sorts of... Oh, that it's, sounds it's, good. <laughs> it's worth, the relationship between the two is definitely worth looking at. But something else with Constable. So this is, again, you could just walk past this painting, not pay too much attention. But again, it's, it's worth a little bit more time. 1824. So 1824 is actually quite an important year for Constable because he has an exhibition in France of his landscapes. Now... Forgive me, audience, I haven't done my research to know whether this was one of those paintings that he displayed there or not. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, because just as somebody like Mozart would write music in a hurry because he had a concert coming up, mm -hmm. if you have been offered the chance of an exhibition of your landscapes, um, you've got to paint them. You've got, yeah. you've got to create them. So... Oh. Again, this is a painting which is um, high quality, but in some ways you could imagine being able to do it in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and that exhibition was really influential on a number of French painters who themselves, you know, there are some later paintings by those painters called the Gleaners oh, okay. of people picking up grain and, you know, from a recently harvested field. Um, I'm going to look those up. But not only, not only was it influential, not only was he in, imitated in terms of its subject matter, but in terms of its, its, its looking at nature, yeah. looking at ordinary people in nature. Um, and you have in particular a school that, that develops called the Barbizon School. Now, it's very easy to get overwhelmed with all these different names and places and schools. And, but the Barbizon School is worth, worth noting. Basic, basically, it's a number of painters operating around the town of Barbizon, small town of Barbizon. And they have a real interest in, in landscapes. And they are very influential on that group of painters that we now know of as the Impressionists. So, again, it's another direct link in fact, Constable was more popular in France probably than he was in in um, in Britain. And he um, has to he did get into the salon, didn't he? He did get. I think. Did he? Got, he? Yes, I think he did. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So. Oh, so he submitted to the salon too. Yes. Oh. Yes. Uh, Eighteen twenty-four. Oh, same year then. Oh, it says yeah. So what do you know? What, what the painting uh, was? No. Sorry, everybody. Hmm. That was that was useful. <laughs> no, no, but it's, 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 no, it's it'll make everyone have to look it all up. <laughs> we do, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's um again. You, we're used to landscapes now, but if you think what was typical subject matter, um, I mean, it's not like nobody had ever painted a landscape, but it was portraits, it was royalty, it was Christian. Yeah. Um, you know, stories from the Bible. Here we have ordinary people in a landscape, nature, 
Um, the the you know, I think it's somewhat influenced by him trying to get his wife ill. So that sense of nature being regenerative and life affirming and life giving and um, yeah, uh, totally. I think those clouds for sure. I actually wonder now we should look at all the ones he painted in Brighton because I think they have all got stormy clouds. I wonder if he's done any in Brighton that are blue and sunny, like sunshine scenes. It would be interesting to look because there was definitely a painting of storm clouds in a stor- the storm, I think, in Brighton. So, well, I mean, it's it's fun for um, an artist to paint yeah, clouds, that's isn't cool. it? Yeah, I'm looking into it too much. No, 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 I don't think so. But I mean, um, of those paintings that I know, the Chain Pier is the most popular. Oh, that's, also, I love the Chain Pier. Look at that. I mean, that's great. So good. It's great for it's great for us, and I recommend <laughs> people have a look at it because. You know, if you know Brighton, you can start to recognise, you know, um, Brighton of 200 years ago. Mm. There used to be this chain pier, obviously no longer exists, no. but it is, it was, I believe, to the left of where the current Palace Pier is. Mm. Um, and, you know, he, that particular painting, he's, he's revelling in painting the sea, which is such a difficult thing to paint. The sky again taking up over half of the paining. Yes. Um, that that particular painting there does have more characters. There's <laughs> a lot more to it. It's very it. busy. It's almost it's it's, it's um, the Piccadilly. The Piccadilly. It's getting a little closer to without the f- fine kind of accuracy. It's getting a bit closer to reminds me of a bit of a Canaletto. You've always got a dog in Canaletto, and you've got a dog <laughs> in this one. Um, well. Yeah. But he definitely, I mean, as you can imagine, I mean, he would, but he's definitely painting, you know, he enjoys painting the sea when he's in Brighton, which I mean, it's quite understandable. Um, yeah, need to look out. There must be a, do you know where he lived when he was in Brighton? I don't know. There's a sign somewhere, you know, one of those blue signs. Well, funnily enough, it's an odd coincidence, but. Um, he uh, he he lived in what is now Silwood Road. Do you know that road? Oh uh, well. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, no, I, I I do. We we did a, we did a walk a couple of days ago for a friend of ours who sadly passed away, and she lived on Silwood Road. No, which is a slightly strange coincidence, isn't it? That is a um, huge coincidence. Yeah. Um. So yes, so we just looked it up. So. Um, and I'm just reading this, frankly, off a BBC website. Uh, there is a blue plaque in Brighton, and it says uh, John Constable, RA, which means Royal Academician, Academician, 1776-1837, lodged and worked in this house in 1824, when he painted the cleaners in 1828, then known as Nine Mrs. Sober's Gardens. <laughs> So good. Unusual name. It really is. Uh, Constable made about 200 paintings and drawings during his four years in Brighton, where he moved to try and ease his wife's, his wife Maria's TB symptoms. Um, The house in what is now Silwood Road was then nine Mrs. Sober's gardens. Artists Peter Harrap and his partner Natasha Kissel now use Constable's top floor painting room as a studio. What do you know? Yeah. 
That's lovely. And the plaque was unveiled by his great-great-grandson, Richard Constable. Huh. Oh, that's lovely. Well, there we are. So we need to... Well, you, you've only just walked down Silwood Road. So that, is, that is so interesting. Um, We're all saying that about all these little connections. So that is quite weird. So it's amazing, isn't it? Mm. The, the, the little, you know... Yeah. All the different little routes and... and Alleyways and byways of a painting can lead you in, lead, lead you in all sorts of different directions. So, so the, more that, you, the more you look at this painting, though, the more you just think: if you were walking up there with your easel, mm. would you stop and paint the windmills from that angle? And I just think it's really interesting that he has. Most people would not; they do a full windmill mm. or something. So I, I don't know. Even the rooftop on the house. It is just so funny to me, this painting. Mm. I find it really unusual. So what was going through his head that he yeah, just stopped? Just stop there. Stop just, there. Oh, I'll just do the top. I'll, I'll just do the roof of the house. Well, of course, it could just have been, he could just have come walking up the path and just seen these two, see the two people, yeah. Two women picking up the grain and mm. just sketched it. Um, certainly you've got more of a sense of the flow of the hills, haven't you? Yeah. And And how they are because they're partially obscuring um, the windmills, then it gives you much more of a sense of the line of the, the, the ascending line of the hill. I don't think you'd have that quite so much if it was the full windmill on top. No. Um, I mean, the white one looks like it is certainly in the centre as well. That's interesting, because if you go up there to take a photograph, you, you, I can't imagine that you would take a photograph like this where you missed off most of the windmill. Mm. I mean, I've been up there and taken photographs, but you get the entire, you get at least one yeah. entire windmill in. Well, but that's yeah. the great, that's the thing about great artists. They, it's their eye. It's where they, it's not only the craft of the painting itself, it's where they put their easel. In fact, I would make the connection to a cinematographer or a photographer. I mean, you can send a hundred cinematographers out into Paris tomorrow morning, but only really a couple will have that eye yeah. to see something mm -hmm. differently and in, and then present it in a way that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I can tell when I'm watching a documentary, I can tell within three minutes whether the cinematography is going to be relatively standard or whether it's going to be special. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And it's, they're not often special, to be honest. No. Um, Except often, on your documentaries. Well, well thank you very much. Well, <laughs> we don't want to hold people back from going to the website and, <laughs> and downloading all those documentaries they can now watch for themselves. I, I believe Lost Temple of Java was called um, More Bertolucci Than Bertolucci. So there, there's one that people can start with. Um, there is also... It's quite an old series, um, but we we when we did our Great Artists series presented by Tim Marlowe, they're only 22, 23 minutes long. Um, they're all they're all on the website too, and I, I remember doing the Constable episode. Oh, that's good. It's I probably mean, full of proper facts, <laughs> details. Behave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Painting of the Week podcast. For more information, please visit our website at 7th-art.com or contact us by emailing info at 7th-art.com 
See you next time.